Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the latest edition of the Hub of Champions podcast with your host, Shukri Wrights. Here with you on Believe Network, wherever you may be, however you may be listening to the podcast, iHeartRadio, and across all podcasts and platforms. You can watch the podcast on YouTube as well. Don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube to get updates when new episodes of the Hub of Champions podcast drops. I am excited to be back here with you. This episode will not be a guest. It will be just me, solo, solo dolo. Just one screen for those of you that are watching on YouTube. As there's some topics I want to get into in the world of Boston sports, but there is one particular story that is drawing a lot of attention, and rightfully so. And it doesn't directly have to do with the Boston Red Sox. In a way, it actually affects the Red Sox, which is why I'm going to talk about it on this pod. So in case if you haven't heard, if you have not seen the news by now, Baltimore Orioles owner John Angelos has agreed to sell the Baltimore Orioles to David Rubenstein and Mike Arrogetti, two private equity billionaires. And that in itself is massive news. That is very massive news. And I want to tell you why. Because John Angelos, for years, the narrative surrounding him, the narrative surrounding the ownership in Baltimore is that they are not willing to spend money on homegrown talents. If you really think about it, when the Orioles were last successful, we're talking about in the early 2010s, early mid-2010s, early mid 2012, 2014, 2016. Those were veteran-laden teams that were signed to perform at a high level, many of, of which did. And the reality was that after 2016, the team itself fell into such a disarray with the lack of, lack of winning, obviously, and the lack of willingness to spend money on the players to, to help them contend year in and year out in a very tough and rugged AL East that have left fans in Baltimore feeling rather hopeless. And in the 2023 season, a season that was so spectacular that the team itself decided that they were going to release a 90-minute documentary on the 2023 Baltimore Orioles, which, who, by the way, they won 101 games, led the American League. They made it to, obviously, the divisional round. Unfortunately, they lost to the eventual... World Series champion, Texas Rangers. But here's the reality of the situation. They are going from an owner who is, who has been known to not spend money. They're going from an owner that did not care to fully invest in this team. The Orioles are going from wandering in the desert for years and then finally seeing the promised land that is a new ownership group that will own the team and David Rubenstein and Mike Arrighetti as well. The Orioles coming off a 101-win season 
a young core that is going to contend for years to come. You know some of the names. Adley Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson. This Orioles team is so good and so talented that the Orioles now, not only that they're going into 2024 ready to contend, but they're going to have an ownership group that is going to more than likely be committed to spending money on improving the team, improving the pieces surrounding the young core they have in Baltimore. Why is this big news as pertains to the Boston Red Sox? Because the Boston Red Sox right now have made it very clear. They're not even going to try. They're not going to even try to spend money on improving the big league roster. They don't care to try. And what this potential move and change in ownership means for the Boston Red Sox about a part of the Baltimore Orioles means is that congratulations, not only that you already had to deal with the New York Yankees for years, that is never going to change, and the Tampa Bay Rays, that's never going to change. But you're now also going to have to deal with a new formidable threat, and that is the Baltimore Orioles, because they're going from an owner who didn't want to spend, who was notoriously cheap, to now an ownership group who more than likely is going to be committed to spending money on improving the, the big league ball club, something that the current ownership group for the Boston Red Sox are failing to do, spend money on improving the big league ball club. On this day of January 30th, 2024, there's no excuse as to why the Boston Red Sox cannot spend money on free agents, especially free agents that are still on the market, starting pitching-wise. And I'm sure the name Jordan Montgomery rings a bell for a lot of baseball fans, but especially Red Sox fans, who they saw a lot of for years when he was a New York Yankee. We all saw what he just did in October for the Texas Rangers, who just won the, their first World Series championship in franchise history. But here's the reality. They made it very clear that they, they're not willing to spend money on the big league club. They're not willing to add a bat that's going to help this offense um, outside of Rafael Devers, because who the hell knows what else you're going to get out of Trevor Story? Who knows what you're going to get from, from an Adam Duvall? Who knows? The Red Sox lack of willingness to spend, and you can blame John Henry for that, any ownership group, after falsely promising Red Sox Nation that we're going full throttle and using Craig Breslow as the perfect puppet to spread your lie and, and your false propaganda to the masses. And now you have a division rival who is about to change ownership groups. And, oh, by the way, their 101 win season wasn't a fluke. That is a sign of things to come. So you not only have the Yankees and, and the Tampa Bay Rays to worry about, you have the Baltimore Orioles who are about to get new owners something that Red Sox fans are dreaming about now because the current ownership group, they don't want to spin. They want to they want to sit on their asses, and they want to twiddle their thumbs. That's all they want to do. So the news coming out of Baltimore tonight that the Orioles are about to get new ownership screams bad news for the Boston Red Sox on the field and as well as in the front office. For the reasons that are pretty clear and are pretty apparent, 
it screams bad news for the Boston Red Sox because, number one, the ownership group that's coming in is giving new hope and belief into that Orioles fan base that they're going to have an ownership group that is going to be willing to spend money. That's number one. And then number two, the Orioles have a young nucleus in Baltimore right now. Adley Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson, Cedric Mullins, who is going to be a massive problem for the Boston Red Sox and the rest of the American League and baseball for years to come, by the way. And the Red Sox are currently mired in such mediocrity that they're not even willing to do whatever it takes to win anymore. Action speaks louder than words, ladies and gentlemen. We're going full throttle. Yeah, you're going as fast as a tortoise on, on 95. And that tortoise is moving as slow as molasses. So you already have an ownership group that's proving to you in Boston that cannot be trusted at their word. And now in Baltimore, just a nice little trip down 95 down to Baltimore, the Orioles are now getting a brand new ownership group, which, oh, by the way, is going to also include Cal Ripken. And the Red Sox, they're still stuck with Fenway Sports Group, who doesn't care any more than adding more teams to its portfolios and adding a rival team to its to its ownership group to its sports portfolio in the Pittsburgh Penguins meanwhile adding a sister network Sportsnet Pittsburgh to be part of the Nesson network group they care nothing more than adding money to their pockets not into the team the Baltimore Orioles they're about to get new owners that's going to be willing to spend money and invest into the team. And that spells bad news for the Boston Red Sox because right now the future is as bleak in Boston for the Red Sox as it is midnight at sea. You can't see anything in front of you. You can't see anything behind you. You don't even know where you're going next. That's the Boston Red Sox right now. So I figure I'll start off the podcast talking about the big news coming out of Baltimore as how it will impact the Boston Red Sox. The Baltimore Orioles, they have new owners now. And that in itself is pretty big news. And it will impact the Boston Red Sox moving forward. Coming up next, I want to share with you a story that, that I thought was pretty interesting that broke about 24 hours ago. As pertains to the Boston Celtics, <laughs> Joe Mazzula, you sure know how to show your true colors, don't you? <laughs> Can't wait to get into it. I'm going to share your thoughts, share my thoughts on that story, and plus much more coming up next here on the Hub of Champions with your host, Shukri Wrights. Welcome back to the Hub of Champions with your host, Shukri Wrights, here on the Believe Network. Thank you for listening wherever you are listening to your podcast and watching on YouTube. As always, I appreciate you, my fans, my supporters. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button on my YouTube channel at Shukri Writes. And as well as wherever you get the podcast, hit subscribe, download the pod. Where I, so you'll know whenever the new episode drops and so forth. And this segment, I actually want to talk about the Celtics because 
there was a story that came out. Um, this was courtesy of Nesson, um, in which that I thought it was really interesting, and I think it's worthy of talk of discussion here. In which that the Boston Celtics on Monday night, they they were trailing the New Orleans Pelicans for much of the first half, and they were down by 10 at halftime, 60 to 50. And they rallied in the fourth quarter, and they took a 118, a 118 to 112 win at TD Garden. But what I found interesting about this particular story, and I got to give credit where it's due, because Greg Dudek, who's a digital content producer at Nesson, um, did, did a terrific job with this particular piece here. What I find interesting is that is, is that Joe Mazzula is bothered by the perception that the Celtics, they are, they, they are um, a team that is filled with entitlement and that this is a team that is expected to be perfect every quarter and every game that they play. And this is something that Joe Mozilla was telling reporters courtesy of NBC Sports Boston last night. He said, quote, the first half, there is there's like this sense of entitlement, like we're just supposed to play amazing basketball every quarter, every game. And that's just not how it works. I said to the guys at halftime, we gave up 24 points. It was 25-24. We won the quarter after giving up 36 in the first quarter. This expectation that is supposed to go a certain way all the time, it can be extremely unhealthy, and we have we just have to continue to play regardless of what down five, up eight, doesn't matter. Quote. That's the entire quote there. I find this interesting because the Boston Celtics for a number of years, and I have been critical of The team, especially when it pertains to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Times early on in this Tatum and Brown era of Celtics basketball, I have said that it felt like that both of those players was obviously gone now. He's been traded to the Memphis Grizzlies. And I'll offer before he left in the summer of 2019 to go play with the Sixers. A sense of, oh, well, we're entitled to just coast through. We're entitled to just completely just show up and that other teams are just going to bow at our feet and basically kiss our ass. That's not the way it works in the NBA. That's not the way it works in life. In fact, what I have a problem with Joe Mazzula here is, is not so much the fact that there's this narrative outside the locker room. In which that 
the Celtics, they just won't show up and they just play poorly. And with that, there's going to come a level of it's going to come a level of criticism. That's just the reality of it, especially when you have a team that is as as and with the expectations of winning a championship as high as the Celtics are. That's going to come with it. Because the reality is, through 47 games at, at the moment of this recording, the Celtics are far and away the best team in the NBA. However, if there is a fatal flaw that this team does have, it is the fact that they like to play down to their opposition. They like to play down to their competition. And that's the problem. When you are a well-coached team, and the Celtics, I believe, by and large part, are a well-coached team. But they do have moments where they'll have brain farts, whether if it's Brown with the turnovers or Jason Tatum missing the big shots to win to win the game, or when, when this team does not put in the effort that is required to win at a given time, this is what happens. This team lays an egg at the worst time possible. Do you and I a favor. Stop playing down to a competition in which that you know you're better than the opponent on that given night. You're better than the Pelicans. In fact, the Pelicans don't even belong in the same gym as you. Dominate as you should. Why make it harder than what it needs to be? And I don't say any of this with disrespect to the New Orleans Pelicans. But, I mean, if we're going to compare both teams talent to talent, I don't think it's really close. I don't think it's debatable. Obviously, we all know that the Celtics are a better team. We know that the Celtics are the team to beat in the NBA right now. They have proven that throughout big stretches of this season. But in the game against the New Orleans Pelicans, for example, I think that's a perfect example as to why I think the criticism is deserved. Why the narrative exists as to the media thinking that oh this team should you know dominate every quarter, dominate every game, and so forth. I don't think they expect this team to be constantly perfect every single night. But as I said, it's the Pelicans for God's sakes, dominant of the team. You're ex. Expected to not just win, you're expected to, to just flat out dominate. Anybody remembers the 2001 Miami Hurricanes? I know two different sports, but follow me here. I do. I remember Ed Reed going off in the tunnel, seeing footage of that, going off on his teammates because not just that they were winning at halftime, they weren't dominating. I don't see that kind of fire with this Celtics team. Where's that kind of urgency? That's the problem that lies within this group at times. That is the problem that lies within this team sometimes. And that's why I understand the narrative that exists outside of the Celtics locker room. Joe Muzula blasting the, the entire narrative that, that he thinks that surrounds the Celtics. It's warranted because it's, it's, it's not just a one-night Isolated incident. This has been there for a number of years now. 
especially when it surrounds Tatum and Brown. So I say all that to say, if Joe Mazzulla is going to win the narrative, at least start the game on time. Start the game on time. That you can dominate when you need to dominate. Because there is no reason why the Celtics should have started as poorly as they did in the first half. Being down by 10, 60 to 50 at halftime to the Pelicans. There's no reason for that. If we're going to keep it all the way real, I'm thinking that you're going to show up and take your foot off the gas and just half-ass your effort on the court in the first half before you decide to turn it on in the second half and dominate and actually come back in the fourth quarter and win the game. That's where the entitlement comes from. Thinking that you're going to show up and think that teams are going to just bow down and kiss your feet. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Anybody can be gotten on any given night, including the Celtics. If you're going to be the best team in the NBA, play like the best team in the NBA. We know that perfection doesn't exist, obviously, but that there's life to be had because there ain't. Because there sure as hell ain't. And I think that in itself is more than worthy of a real conversation and something that I'm sure that it's being talked about because the Celtics, they are the most talented team in the NBA, bar none. And they shouldn't be playing down to, to an opponent like the New Orleans Pelicans. Coming up next, the final segment of the podcast, my thoughts on the Boston Bruins. They are on the bye, officially on the All-Star break. My thoughts on what has been a wild first half of the regular season. That and much more coming up next here on the Hub of Champions podcast with your host, Shukri Rice. <sighs> Welcome back to the Hub of Chat Podcast with your host, Shukri Wright. Hope you've enjoyed the episode so far. I've been solo um, for this episode. I will have a guest um, coming up soon on the Hub of Champions Podcast. It's going to be a pretty good one. Um, I can't wait to see um, what is next for the pod. I mean, in recent episodes, I had some tremendous guests join the show. Grateful to all of them, um, always, uh, with the likes of Dale Arnold, legendary broadcaster, um, used to be work, used to work for Nesson and WEEI. Um, my my man Travis Thomas of Nesson and WEEI, and John Lyons of WEEI, as well. So, during this final segment of the pod, I want to talk about the Boston Bruins because this is their bye. They are in the midst of their bye week going right into the All-Star break, which All-Star break starts officially on Thursday, All-Star weekend, that is. And if you want to talk about the Boston Bruins in terms of what has made them one of the big surprises of the NHL this season, now would be the time. Because right now, the Boston Bruins, when, when they're – unofficial first half of the season concluded after their dominant win over the Philadelphia Flyers 62 they had the most points in the NHL it's been tied 
by the Vancouver Canucks, in which that the Boston Bruins going into the season, not many people expected them to be among the best teams in the NHL, let alone be a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. Because that's exactly what the Boston Red Boston Bruins have become. They have become a Stanley Cup contending team in a year in which that this team has had to deal with so much loss, so much overturn of the roster that it is truly remarkable and amazing that the Bruins find themselves on top of the NHL. He's tied on top of the NHL standings at the All-Star break. If you told me that the Boston Bruins were going to lose Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci to retirement, Tyler Bertuzzi, Dmitry Orlov, and as well as Garner Hathaway to free agency, I would have told you that I believed you. But then you followed that up and you told me that they were going to be on top of the NHL despite losing Bergeron and Krejci to retirement. Orlov, Hathaway, and Bertuzzi, the free agency, I would have told you that you were lying. The Bruins were going to take a step back. They weren't, they weren't going to be the same dominant team that they were a year ago. But here's the harsh truth. We were led to believe that this team was going to be mediocre, and somehow, someway, this team is not only just thriving, they are absolutely dominating at times. Has it been perfect? Oh, hell no. Has it been something in which that I feel and believe that the Bruins could actually be a lot better than what they currently are? Yeah, absolutely. But if you're going to tell me that the Boston Bruins, despite having gone through long stretches of the season without some of his key guys, you know, and, and I would have told you that despite all of the adversity, which was the injuries and the up and down um, play at times this season, I wouldn't have believed that the Boston Bruins would be on top of the NHL standings. But here we are. What makes the Boston Bruins season truly amazing so far is not just the fact that they continue to get stellar goaltending from both Linus Olmark and Jeremy Swayman, but also how some of the younger guys and some and some of the additional pieces that were brought in have played a pivotal role in terms of the Bruins' success so far. If you told me, going back to training camp, that Matt Pontras was going to play a key critical role for the Boston Bruins' early season success, I wouldn't have believed that. I would have told you that you were lying. But the truth is, we saw how good Matt Pontras is during training camp. And we realized pretty quickly that he had to make the opening night roster, which he did. He may have hit a wall during the season, and he went to go play um, in a World Juniors um, Championship representing Team Canada, but it served him well. And then you turn around and you bring in James Van Riemsdyk in free agency. He's been critical for this team. You also go out and you and you bring in Morgan Geeky, formerly of the Seattle Kraken. You go out and you bring in um, Ke- you know, 
the, the offensive defenseman extraordinaire, that's Kevin Shattenkirk. You go out and bring those guys in. And then, oh, by the way, the offensive brilliance that is Brad Marchand and that he has finally found his game again after losing it much of much of last season, coming back from, from, from double hip arm surgery. I would have told you that I wouldn't have believed that all of this would still lead the Boston Bruins to being the top team in the NHL. The Boston Bruins are a top team in the NHL for a reason. The more reason most fans will, will all say unanimously is that Linus Omark and Jeremy Swimming have been the big reasons why the Boston Bruins are the best team in the NHL standings-wise. But there are other reasons why. Even though that Hampus Lindholm has been a major area of concern for this Boston Bruins blue line, the, Bro the Boston Bruins defense is still among the best in the league. The offensive production from the top six, most notably from Charlie Coyle, playing top-line minutes at times. He's been absolutely magnificent, and he's been a major reason why I would put him as the team's MVP so far this season. And here's the kicker. Even though the fourth line has been, has been weak at times in terms of offensive production, but they still bring a gnarl to its game. I love watching Trent Frederick and the impact that he's had on the scene. As you're, and you're seeing him really mature into, into a pretty good NHL player. Not only is he putting the puck in the back of the net, but he's also bringing that physicality, to, that gnarl, something that was lost after Milan Lucic, unfortunately, was suspended indefinitely by the Boston Bruins after the domestic violence incident. So what you're seeing right now with the Boston Bruins is, is a team that, despite its, its deficiencies, despite the obstacles that it's had to overcome, despite the challenges that the team had faced, they have took on all of those challenges and passed with flying colors. That is the reason why, as we are at the at the All-Star break on the bye week, no less, the Boston Bruins are a team that has as legitimate of a shot to come out of the Eastern Conference and go to the Stanley Cup Finals this season. It wouldn't surprise me if it happened this upcoming spring. That is going to wrap it up for this edition of the Hub of Champions podcast with your host, Shukri Wrights. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and download the pod. Subscribe to my YouTube channel at Shukri Wrights. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get the podcast. I look forward to talking to you again next time. Take care, everybody. Enjoy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.